0: Time for us to begin tonight. We're happy to have you here for our Bible study time. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 18 through 26. Ecclesiastes 2, 18 through 26. God used Solomon to give us this book about life under the sun. Reading this book, we are taught that life here on earth under the sun has value only when the Maker of the Son is at the center of our existence. Later in the book, Solomon speaks of this as fearing God and keeping His commandments. Ecclesiastes 2, tonight, 18 to 26, after prayer. Heavenly Father, we express to Thee our love, our trust, and our interest in a richer, deeper relationship with Thee by this time we spend in the word may it bring to pass good results in our lives through the activity of our faith in christ in his name we pray amen ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 18 through 26 i hated all my toil in which i toil under the sun seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled, and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Let me begin by connecting what we've just read with the previous paragraph. In the paragraph previous to this, Solomon expressed his anxiety over matters of death and legacy and succession when your life perspective is limited to this earth. Here, there is more about that. He expands on that. This time, his emphasis is on how hard you work for such little result other than the immediate The financial, the temporary success that you may enjoy here. Now, please keep in mind that at this point in Ecclesiastes, Solomon is talking about life here on earth. When God is not your priority, that, Solomon says, is vanity and a chasing after wind. When under the sun is all your focus is. You are attempting to find fulfillment here under the sun without having the maker of the sun in your life. And Solomon concludes in this paragraph, it's a lot of hard work, but in the end you take nothing with you. It just goes to somebody else. So if your life is concentrated just on what's here and now under the sun, this earth, this world... Even your hard work and your success eventually becomes vanity because you can't take it with you and it just goes to someone else. That's the focus in this text we've read in chapter 2, 18 through 26. Now, look down through the passage and see if you see that. Don't take my word for it. See if you see and notice how many times the word toil or a form of that word appears in the paragraph. Let's do this. Let's make a list. And you'll notice he says in 18, I hated all my toil. Verse 19, I toiled. The toil of my labors in verse 20. In verse 21, a person who has toiled. 22, all the toil and striving. And verse 24, His toil. Solomon doesn't use the word success because his emphasis here is on all the hard work that you do and you're not able to take it with you when you die goes to somebody else. In some translations, instead of toil, you may find the word labor. In others, you may find the word work. But whatever the terminology is, the theme here, Seems to me to be clear. You work so hard, but you must leave the fruit of your labor to another who comes after you, and you have no idea and you will not know in death what's happening with everything you've accumulated by your work under the sun. That's the main thrust of this text. Thus, if God is not in your life, No matter how hard you work, how much you earn, how much fame you achieve, and how fat your resume may be, it will all go to another. You'll kiss it all goodbye. And here on earth, your achievements and your name will not even be remembered. Solomon has already made that point. If God is in your life, No matter if you leave a lot or nothing in material achievement, there is an eternally good outcome. There's an eternally good outcome for those whose perspective is not limited to under the sun. They're focused on the maker of the sun and their relationship with him. So I hope that helps you see what this whole paragraph is about. Now we're going to go back and look at some of the details. Solomon says, I hated all my toil under the sun. You've got to keep that phrase. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. I want to ask you, does this ever happen? A man works very hard at breakneck Speed, 12, 15 hours a day, little time off, builds a huge empire, a big enterprise, a big portfolio, and the man dies, and all of that is left to someone who either spends it or squanders it. Well, that happens all the time. It happens every day. I am certain, in fact, that it happened to Solomon Solomon died, leaving everything to his son, Rehoboam. Reading about that in 1 Kings 12 and beyond, it is pretty clear that Rehoboam lost everything. And along with Jeroboam, we know that those men tore the kingdom of Israel apart. The glory of the kingdom was lost in the subsequent division and conflict that came after Solomon was gone. So what Solomon feared when he wrote this came to pass in his own experience. He died leaving all his earnings as a legacy for his oldest son. And Rehoboam was not wise. And as a fool, everything Solomon worked so hard to gain was lost. Now, when you look at what Solomon writes about here, and then you factor that in with Solomon's actual experience, you come to a place where you have to say, what do I learn from that? And so let's get there now, even though I'm going to cover it again in the takeaway. What you learn is you spend your whole life gathering and collecting and building and amassing a fortune, but you can't take any of it with you. Someone else will get it, and who knows if they will use it or lose it. Now remember, we're talking about people who have a focus that's just here and now. Remember the phrase, under the sun. But even those who have a focus on God, even those, you can't take any of it with you, You can't transfer your bank account to heaven. So, there are people we all know who work very hard and they achieve worldly success and then die. And the fortune they amassed is wasted and they pass into eternity without God. Now here's what that is. Vanity of vanities. It's a chasing after wind. I was preparing this material and I remember an expression from the 1960s and it may have been a song, but I remembered it I was, as I was going through this and it was called this expression, five o'clock world, five o'clock world. And so you go to work in the morning and you're just looking to the clock more and more as the day wears on and you're ready to get out at five. You work day after day, but at the end of your life, what do you have to hold when you die? If you have ignored God all your life, you face death with a profound sense of regret, dark hopelessness, because... Everything you've done and all that toil and labor and hard work, you cannot take any of it with you. I think that's what Solomon is getting at. People expect work to give them their purpose in life. No attention to God, just work, get to the 5 o'clock hour, and then retire with sufficient income. Well, Solomon is saying without God that's vanity it is a striving after wind in one of my commentaries I found this here is one of the great frustrations of our existence we are born with a longing for permanence a deep desire to do something that will endure or to make something that will last yet the under the Sun reality is that we will spend our whole lives working to gain something we cannot keep. It was enough to drive Solomon to despair. Now here's the point. We had better find meaning and purpose in life while we're here in our relationship with God. There is nothing under the sun that compares to the value of our relationship with God through Christ, nor can be an adequate substitute. Let me say that again. That goes to the very heart of Ecclesiastes. We had better find meaning and purpose in life in our relationship with God. Nothing under the sun compares to the value of our relationship with God through Christ, nor is there any adequate substitute. If we're counting on our heirs to build on what we've earned and use what we give to them, you just don't know how that will turn out. So don't live your life to establish an earthly legacy and just leave God out or maybe put him second or third place that's vanity and after you die everything you've amassed here you will not only not have but you'll not know how it's being used and it will not matter it will not matter then what will matter is your relationship with God that just goes to the very essence of what Solomon's talking about so let me wrap into this 18 through 20 and see if you hear it. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled, and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about. "...and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun." Let me pause there. Questions or comments? If it's just about what you can do and how you can succeed... ...and the wealth that you can amass and leave to somebody else under the sun... ...that's not the purpose of life. You haven't found the purpose of life. The purpose is not under the sun... The purpose is found in your relationship with the maker of the Son. Well, this involves another element of truth about working so hard. Let's talk about that now. There is no idea in this passage that one should not work hard. That's not what Solomon is trying to get across. The concept here is, If your hard work is all your life is about, without God, you need to be reminded you will die someday and leave all that you have to somebody else. That's what Solomon is saying. It is important to understand as you work hard, if you take no time off and you neglect spiritual realities and gradually shove God over in a corner... One day, everything you've worked for will simply not matter and it will not help you in judgment. The more you work, the same you have at the end. Nothing you can take with you and no guarantee about how your heirs will use your fortune. You need more than what you can do here under the sun. Solomon's despair in verse 20 is not about labor in general but labor that is specifically pursued only under the sun and without God. That's his point. So here before us is one of the greatest frustrations of life on earth if God is not in your life. You take nothing with you and you don't know what will happen to your fortune or reputation or success. Verse 21 Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. You know, it's commonly understood in our society and in our economy. Ask lawyers, bankers, financial counselors, managers, they will confirm it. When people receive a windfall through lottery or will or a big lawsuit award, generally, people do not treat that money like money they have earned. There is an impulse to spend money that you get free, that you didn't work for very different from the way you use money you've earned. Statistics will tell you that. It is similar to the way a customer treats a rental car or some tenants treat a rental house. If it isn't really yours, if you didn't work for it, then there's a common tendency to not invest it or use it carefully, but rather just spend it. Lottery winners and last will and testament heirs sometimes are some of the biggest and quickest spenders in our economy because it's considered free money, not earned money. Solomon, in his quest to find meaning on earth, comes to realize this very hard truth. Do you know that the big box stores have a lot of sales after January and before April 15th? Now that's after the holidays. Why do the big box stores have all their stuff on sale in January up through April 15th? Tax refunds. And they, some of these people, these salesmen will tell you that people come in and just consider that it's just free money. You know, they don't put it in their budget. And so the big box stores know that. Solomon, in his quest to find meaning on earth, comes to realize that sometimes people get something they didn't work for, they didn't earn, and they just squander it or they spend it. And this is another reason. Solomon says, you can't find your purpose just under the sun. You find your purpose in relationship with the Maker of the Sun. Questions or comments? Yes, ma'am. Children are the same way; they don't know the value of money. The they like to You give them an allowance on Friday. They want to spend it Friday night. Maybe Saturday. That's right. Exactly. So, all right. Therefore, if your energy and heart is directed primarily to working hard and earning money, Solomon says, your days will be full of sorrow and in the end you'll have to leave it all. Listen to verses 22 and 23 What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation and Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. If your energy and heart is directed primarily toward hard work, should say hard work, and earning money, Solomon says your days will be full of sorrow because in the end you'll have to leave it all. The compulsive workaholic who pushes God out. I'm not talking about all workaholics. The compulsive workaholic who pushes God out creates sorrow for himself and others, doesn't rest well at night, and sets himself up for vanity. You may impress people and build an empire and answer the world's standard of success and produce something that's useful to others, but then you die and your heirs get it and they do as they please. They may spend it all, squander it all, you'll have no idea. Solomon says, this also is vanity. And verse 24 brings some positive perspective into this in verse 24. I'm not there yet. Verse 24, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. Now there's a different perspective. Perspective up to this point has been people who are locked into what's under the sun. God has been pushed away. That's vanity. But now you have a different perspective when hard work and enjoyment of what you have is connected to the hand of God. That's a better perspective. If you connect God to your work and your living, if you see everything here is a gift of God, then you receive and use all that you have to his glory. And it's far better. And you're ready when the end comes. In the contemporary English version that's published in the UK. The best things we can do is to enjoy eating, drinking, and working. Believing these are gifts to us from God. That's the better perspective. Verse 25 is a start confrontation with reality. For apart from Him, who can eat and who can have enjoyment? Even if you don't recognize it or live as you should, working and eating and pleasure, that all comes from God. All legitimate working and eating and enjoyment of what you worked for comes from God. Paul said, In Him we live and move and have our very being, in Acts 17, 28. Our existence here, and our ability to work and eat and drink, and have a good time, that has been granted to us by God. I want to pause here at this verse, 25. One of the breakthrough attitudes people can adopt is, knowing that what you have is from God, and being thankful that he let you have it, and then with that gratitude, what's motivated is obedience to him. In Romans chapter 1, the apostle Paul documents the downfall of man, and one step away from God was ingratitude, not being thankful to God for what he allows us to have. Solomon here in verse 25 reflects that. So I'm saying one of the breakthrough attitudes worldly people can adopt is knowing that what you have, everything you have, is from God and being thankful that that he lets you have it. And therefore you use it according to his will and to his glory. Uh, Apart from God's grace, nobody really has anything. Solomon... I found this quotation to be helpful. Solomon, of course, does not say that learning or wealth or pleasure are evil. They are gifts of God to be received gratefully when they come and then used to glorify the one who gave them. Ultimate joy and wisdom are to be found in the infinite God and not in his temporary gifts, however pleasant they may be. That's what Solomon is talking about. Now, watch this in verse 26. To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering, storing up wealth, to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Now you have the two perspectives referred to at the same time. The one who pleases God arrives at good wisdom and knowledge and good happiness about what his purpose in life is all about. The sinner has the task of gathering and storing up wealth only to hand it over to somebody else when it's all over. And Solomon says, that is a chasing after when. Now, it may sound to you like that God takes everything that sinners earn and hands it over to the righteous, but that's not it. Literally, we do not see that happening. And in passages like Psalm 73, it is denied So it's not a literal taking of what the sinner has earned and handing that over to the righteous. It's it's not in that literal sense. This is Solomon is giving us a picture composed of words about what pleasing God is in so much a higher sense than those who live in sin. Those who live in sin just store up things and have to kiss them goodbye. Those who live according to God's will through Christ are storing up treasures where? In heaven. Treasures in heaven. So that's the contrast that we are taken to here. I've got some takeaways. I think I had a quote here I wanted to give to you before that. And then we'll go to the takeaways. The ability to enjoy the fruits of our labor is due quite simply to the grace of God. Were it not for His blessings, there would be no bounty. Were it not for His faithfulness, there would be no fruit. Our Father has made it abundantly clear that He wants us to find pleasure in the work of our hands. I think that's a good quote. Questions or comments? before my takeaways. I was reading the other day about something else, and I came across something I want to plug into this study. Write a mission statement for your family. Sit down with your family and talk it over. Have your Bible open and write out a mission statement and post it prominently in your house. I was reading that in another book. And it occurred to me it would be very good for kids to hear the essence of what we've studied here in Ecclesiastes. For our children and grandchildren to know that when your eye is just focused on what's under the sun... It's all vanity and a chasing after wind. To have this concept planted in the minds of our children and grandchildren in the family setting would would have such high value. I thought of that, wanted to pass that on with you. Number two. What spoils work and success is trying to get out of work and success what they were never intended to give. When work and toil came into human existence, it was after what happened sin. That's when work as hard toil came into human existence. It was after sin. Now, certainly Adam and Eve had responsibility to work prior to their sin to keep the garden. But the hard toil and work described in the consequences of sin, that's when that came. There is no way God wants us to find our purpose just in work and toil and wealth that we leave when we die. What spoils work and success is trying to get out of work and success what they were never intended to give. You find your purpose not in work and toil under the sun. You find your purpose in your relationship with God. Questions or comments? We cannot create anything of lasting value without God. There is a worldview or philosophy that claims that the highest good on the earth is what man comes up with, what man creates, what man invents, and what man perpetuates. In fact, that philosophy has a name. It's called humanism. Solomon teaches, and the rest of the Bible confirms, While man can use what God has created, we are not independent creators. We are not originators. We are not sovereign. We are not all-powerful. We cannot create anything of lasting value without God. Number four, whatever we do in life to make a living and to be productive. The priority must be. To be busy in the work of the Lord. I want you to open to First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. And look at the final verse. Therefore my beloved brothers. Be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Solomon has taught us tonight from Ecclesiastes that if your life perspective is limited to work under the sun, that's vanity of vanities. So what we need to do is be responsible and work as hard as we can to take care of ourselves but at the same time keep God and his work as the priority because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15:58 that is not in vain. You with me? Questions or comments? Let me ask you this, and it's just a thought question. You don't have to answer verbally. But I thought about it as I went through this section. Is it possible to work too hard? Certainly possible to work too hard. I'm impressed when I read about the life of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that it's very clear Jesus rested, didn't he? He rested. It is very possible to work too hard. And one of the dangers of working too hard is what we've been talking about, pushing God out of the way and getting your focus on what you can do under the sun. So take some time off rest. It's good for you. Then I had one more thing. I didn't know I was going to have time for it. This is what I'm going to call a lead in to what we're going to study next. We're going to be in chapter three next. And I wanted to give you a lead in. Here are questions that people think about. Why am I here? What is the best way to spend my time while I'm here, before I die? What about the future and death? What will happen? Now, we'll get to this in chapter 3, but I don't think dogs and cats and horses and rocks, and flowers, entertain these questions. God built us in His own image. That is said of us, not of the animals. We have the capacity to think, and to plan, and to make choices. And it has occurred to me that these are questions that people think about. Now, they they may not come at, at... at it from a good angle and may not arrive at a good answer. But these are very common questions. Why am I here? What is the best way to spend my time? What about the future in death? What will happen? The answers are not under the sun. The answers are given by the maker of the sun, God the creator in His Word. And that's the message That Solomon tries to get into us all the way through Ecclesiastes. So keep that in mind. And then I want to recommend you do this as you enter into chapter 3. Read chapter 3, the first eight verses. One of the most famous passages in the Old Testament. And then stop after verse 8 and just say, what is this about? Don't go through and try to define all the words and do any kind of in-depth analysis. Just read verses 1 through 8 and say, now, what's my first impression? What is this about? And then after you fix that in your mind, then read verses 9 through 15. And I think, you'll, I think that will help you. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, and then read 9 through 15... And that's what we plan to cover on Sunday. Thank you very much for your good attention to our study.